You're listening to a DM podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you the podcast with the best banter, greatest gut feels, and most ridiculous narratives on planet Earth. Get ready to dominate the NRL fantasy season with the team from Top King League. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking League, your weekly NRL fantasy podcast. You join us for another one of our positional previews. In this episode, we'll be going through the hookers and the halves. Jason here in the host chair for this one, and plenty to talk about across these two positions. Now, I'm joined by a terrific trio of panellists uh, from Queensland and from New Zealand who are going to go through these two positions with me, and let's bring them in. So, starting with my fellow Queensland resident, we've got Riley, mate. How are you travelling? Good, Jason. How are you? at new hotspot tonight so let's hope it's not like yeah that famous rocky internet starting to bite again um but no we've got you now um so that's good uh we'll skip across the ditch to Artem Rowan. he's literally just plugged his mic in it's none other than jay warrior mate how you traveling audio audio visual equipment is on absolute fire at the moment which is going to make for a great uh business on the record so just a heads up for those that listening to this podcast we are recording this on the evening of wednesday the 22nd of february so just keep that in mind if any subsequent news about injuries or player availability comes out after this is released. So whilst we're waiting for Jay Warrior to sort out his equipment, I'll go to my other Kiwi panellist. And, uh, I mean, I did have a little bit of an intro for him, but I think this covers it off just nicely. Dolphin sound while you pick him. <laughs> Carl, mate, how are you? Good, mate. I knew you were going to start with that, and I don't mind at all. You can use it as much as you like. It's copyrighted, so I'll give you the bill later for it, eh? Sounds good. Yeah, I'll get the royalties to you very shortly. I will pay them an NZ dollar, though, uh, so you might get about five cents Aussie. But, ah, uh, yep. That'll do. Uh, yeah, that'll, yeah, that'll do, Donkey. But uh, speaking of donkeys, I think we've actually sorted out Jay Warrior's internet. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. I thought you were calling me uh, Thompson from uh, the Knights, Eeyore. No, I'm all good. Good to be back. Yeah, no, good to have you. And it's actually the first time I've recorded a pod with Riley and Jay Warrior, so I've actually been looking forward to this quite a lot. And in particular, the two positions that we're covering this evening, guys. Now, we're going to start with the hooker. So for those who haven't caught the Mid and Edge podcast that uh, we did last night, we're going to go through a stud, a dud, a mid-ranger, and a cashy from each of these positions. We'll also have some discussion around some hot topics relating to these relative positions. We're going to go for about an hour uh, with about half an hour on each of these positions, so let's rip in. We're going to start with the hookers, boys. Now, I argue with hooker, probably the most difficult position to navigate in 2023, and I think the reason for that is is that, you know, there's only one hooker generally in each of the 17 NRL teams that's going to score well, and not many of those score that well anyway. So let's, have, let's go around the room in terms of who we've got in our teams thus far. I'll start with myself. I've gone very light. I've just got the two dual positions in Brandon Smith and Tanner Boyd, and I'm going to wait and see on the rest. Uh, Riley, who have you got at the moment? Similar, similar story with me, Jace. I'm just going with the cheese and Boyd at the moment, just with that DPP value, looking to see who's going to be an 80-minute hooker and I suppose where the value is going to lie around origin time. Yeah, no, good, good shout there. And uh, Kyle, what about yourself? 
Yeah, look, mine's um, I've had Robson pretty solid all season. Uh, I actually uh, uh, dropped them out uh, a couple of days back. Did some rejuggling in my team. Had a look. I didn't really like it. I um, so I've, I ended up landing back on Robson. And I got Cheese sitting in the mid and Boyd as the as the backup. Now I sort of just looked at that. Um, that if you don't have a second half when Cheese has his buy in round four, if you've got um, uh, and if you don't have a backup half, say so like I'm looking at running a Sam Walker and Cheese, I couldn't um have uh, a, a, I had to have a third hooker because I would have Boyd as the only half hooker uh, and he would have to cover the half so I had to have a third hooker so um, that's the way I'm going with those three hookers. Yeah that's really good insight there in fact because I think a lot of coaches will have that stress with both Boyd and p- potentially Boyd as well as Cheese where you might have three Titans or three Roosters and you just need to be careful of that position breakdown I mean probably less and less likely to have two of the Titans halves but Apparently not, according to the run sheet we've got here. And Jay Warrior, what about yourself? What uh, is your hooker rotation looking like at the moment? Well, I am bringing the BDE to the group because I am running Damien Cook, Brandon Smith, uh, Tanner Boyd, and Sonny Luke. I like it. Four. That's very bold. And we'll, we'll probably talk about Cook uh, in more detail in a sec once we get into the studs. But... Boys, just a quick power rankings here. We're going to go through Cook, Grant, and Robson. The context that we're going to do this in is factoring in their price and the opportunity cost that if you spend you know, their price tag on that, what you may not be able to do in the rest of your side. So starting with you, Riley, with Cook, Grant, and Robson, how would you order those one to three? I think Grant's clearly number one for me, Robbo, just because he's 100K cheaper than Cook. I see Cook as a clear number two, just scores across all areas. He's got a higher tackle count than Robson. <laughs> And then Robson at three. I just think he'll be managed a little bit to start the season. I'll get into him in a bit more detail shortly, but I just see his minutes working up to them, and he'll come into an 80-minute hooker probably around six to eight or so onwards from there. Yeah, that's a fair shout. Now, Kyle, would you agree with uh, Riley's rankings there? Uh, Partially. Yeah, I go Grant, Robson, Cook. Be the very fact I've got Cook at the bottom. He... Plays Origin. He misses two rounds in round 19-20. He misses round 26, where if you're a dead player, or you're um, or you're trying to gun with a, a strategy of obviously getting points and, and coming home hard at the end, he's not playing round 26. It's a huge loss. So for me, Cook's number three and his price is just too too expensive to take based on his Origin missing those two rounds and also missing that vital round 26. Yeah, interesting. And I, I imagine, Jay, where your rankings are going to differ to those of Riley and Kyle. Yeah, I've got one thing to say to um, Kyle, but unfortunately I don't speak Dolphin, so I won't be saying it right now. Um, yeah, I'm going to rate them Cook, Grant, Robson. And yep. I'll, I'll give I'll get people on to Cook uh, pretty quickly once I give my explanation <laughs> later. You say later, but we're going to actually mix it up and we're going to go there first. Now, uh, this is the first stud that we're going to go through. I unfortunately don't have the stud audio for this one, so you'll just have to deal with this. How good is this bloke? We're going to start with none other than Damiano Cook. Uh, for those who don't catch that reference, head to the South Sydney uh, media page. They got the pronunciations of the players done today. So with Cook, 4.28% ownership, price tag 945k, break even 65, first buy. Round 16, of course, we know he's got origin. But my question to you, Jay Warrior, is... Is he good enough to be your captain, or are you comfortable carrying him as a vice-captain um, at 945k? 
No, he will be my vice captain. It is not my sole strategy. That would be a very bold play. Uh, but I've worked it out. I know Kyle's talking until round 27, but there's so many things that can happen in between that I like to break my season into blocks. And so I'm just trying to get to round 13 at this stage. And so I'm planning for round 13, and then I reassess where all my injuries are, reassess my team and sort of where I'm going to manage. But to get to round 13, if you take Cook's average and multiply it by 13 to get to round 12, that means he will earn 858 points. Now, you quickly say, well, how do you get there? Because shouldn't it only be by 12? Well, yes, but then there's going to be a week where if you've got Cleary or Hines, you're multiplying him as captain. So if we applied the same formula for Harry Grant, that gets us to 780 points. So there's 78 points ahead uh, for Cook, plus you've got a pod. Uh, and my other narrative for Damien Cook is he's got a point to prove. He's lost his Australian jersey. He's no longer the starting hooker in origin, and this could be his last big run, and I just think he's going to come out and kill it. And when you've got players like Cameron Murray, who's got one of the fastest play the ball in the competition, to pick and scoop from, this could be Cook's year. Yeah, look, I, I can't argue with any of that at all. And it's not just because we've got the uh, back at hat here. But I think the same strategy with Murray that I'm going with there is the fact that there's no interruption up until Origin. And like you said, break the, the uh, season up into chunks. First 12 rounds, if he does awesome for you, you can reassess, you can trade him out, move him here, there, wherever, grab into Papali'i or someone who's buy-friendly after that. So no, I'm very much on board with what you said there. And who knows, maybe we'll get that ownership uh, closer to 7.5 before TLT, eh? We're going to roll into the next player. Now, Kyle, Harry Grant is who you would like to talk about. Now, my question for you is with Grant is he's failed to make it through to origin the past two years without missing a game, either due to suspension, illness or injury. Is he going to be durable enough to get through uh, to round 13 unharmed? Yeah, that, well, that's the question on everyone's lips of taking it. You know, there's always a risk with, with these top-line hookers that they generally do play 80 minutes, and, and I do acknowledge that, you know, the last few seasons he has had a very, very heavy workload, and I think this year it's going to be even more uh, with, you know, with no cheese, with them going to the Roosters. They don't really have a, a real um, a second ha hooker backup for Harry Grant, so I think that it's going to be an even bigger year than it has previous, so I hope that he doesn't get injured because um, I want him to be able to play for Queensland and win another series. Um, but, yeah, I just, it's very hard to say. Um, but if he does stay fit and he does stay suspension-free, I think he's going to have a, a huge year, and I think he can match, if not go higher than Cook in an average. Yeah, no, I Oh, it's, yeah, I love the disagreement there. I, I think, yeah, it's going to be very interesting because I had the same perspective last year, and I got it horribly wrong. I wrote an article in 1,500 words. He's going to match him, and... Cook was way too good. Who knows this year? A different year. Uh, he might match up. Now, another guy who's striving to be the number one hooker, Riley, is Reese Robson. And as you mentioned before, a couple of early games in Townsville. We're starting the season a little bit earlier. Is that a concern for us in terms of maybe getting some managed minutes early on? I think it's definitely a concern this year, Robbo, and I'll get to that soon. But 2022 was definitely a breakout for Robson, averaging 54.8 fantasy points. Apart from round 13, where he played 73 minutes, Robbo locked down an 80-minute roll from round 8 onwards. During this period, this average went up to 58.4 points per game. In 2022, Robbo had a base of 46 points through net tackles and run metres, 
where any accumulated at least a try, try assist, line break, or line break assist in 11 out of these 17, 80-minute games. So there's definitely attacking upside there. In 9 out of these 17-game sample, though, he recorded at least two of these attacking stats. So I think his output on the weekend is slightly concerning, scoring only 20 points in 65 minutes, where especially he was spelled for Jake Granville. So although it was a trial and Peyton would have wanted to get some minutes into Granville, it's interesting to note that Peyton didn't give him any middle minutes. So Robbo starting the season, playing 80 minutes, I think maybe not. Come April or so, when it's cooler and he's got greater match fitness, this is when we could see that. So potentially he's giving three dates and he's a better pickup around the origin period at a discount. And following on from Kyle's point too, maybe leave Cook out and go with Grant and Robson as your two-gun hookers for the run home. Yeah, potentially that's a way that we could attack it, Riley. And another thing I noticed as well, his ownership percentage is exactly 6.66%. So is the devil and Satan coming in saying don't pick him from round one? Um, Reigns to be seen. 783k, yeah, he's pretty steep there when you think the Tarpanay and Haas are in that similar price bracket. And yeah, going to be interesting to see how he goes. Buy first, buy in round 15. Might get a little bit tricky. Now, that's the studs done for the hookers. We're going to roll into the duds, and once again, no sound effects, unfortunately. But uh, keeping with you, Riley, in the snake draft format, Danny Levi, are you a fan of the mistackled magnet? He's 1.74% owned, 319k, break even of 22, and first buy in round eight. Definitely not, Robbo, and I'm not a fan of his maiden Tom Stalling either at 549k with a BE of 38. The issue here is the Ricky factor and the variation in the minutes week to week. See, last year he used Frawley and Wolford as starting hookers to take the sting out of the game before Starling would come in. Excluding an outlier game in round 25, Wolford averaged 39 minutes per game with playing 26 minutes in round 11, up to 55 in round 12. Looking at Levi this season with a career PPM of 0.58 in the past, projecting him to score 28 points per game when playing 39 minutes. So that gives you one point in value. Looking at Starling, though, when he averaged 48 minutes per game, played up to 63 minutes from the bench, but only 25 minutes in round 12. So for me, the job sharing just makes both players an avoid to start the season. Yeah, good shout. I mean, there's not too much there to write home about in the hooker department there for the Raiders. Now, rolling in, Kyle, your turn here. We're looking at Jake Turpin, 0.54% ownership, 391k, breaking him to 27 first buy in round four. Now, is the bowl cut not enough of morale boost for training at your fantasy team to put him in your side somewhere? No, nah, not at all, mate. I think I'd, I'd rather have a, a bleach blonde monster than a than a, a bowl cut Turpin, to be fair. Um, but yeah, I think for me, um, you know, Turpin, he averaged off the interchange, he averages 20 points in 32 minutes. Now, like, that's nothing to write home about. Um, you know, the Roosters having, having Brandon Smith here at nine, um, I say Brandon Smith plays a minimum 60 minutes he's not going to play in that lock row I don't feel so I think he takes the bulk of the minutes up there at hooker so I think uh, for Turpin it's probably going to get 20 maybe 25 minutes max so um, he's a complete dud you know um, and uh, when when Connor oh no actually sorry now that my notes and Connor Watson doesn't even look like he's going to be back this year but I still don't think Turpin's going to be uh, of any value or or any sort of um, uh, help for your team so yeah definitely someone to to stay right away from for the whole year unless there's an injury to brandon smith but then again there could be another makeshift hooker that jumps in there as well ahead of turpin so he's, a, he's one to avoid all year yeah no i don't think you find any disagreement from anyone and 
We're going to go to another player that, again, probably not going to be a great option due to a lack of minutes, Jay Warrior. We've got Billy Walters, 2.32% ownership, 454k, break-even of 31. Hey, first buy is not to around 16, but is there ever a world where he gets big minutes if, say, Corey Pakes got hurt? No, 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 no. A good friend of mine said that. Uh, he is awful. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he's awful, and... Uh, Brisbane's actually got a young hooker who is the future at that club as soon as uh, his dad realises that his son is not a hooker uh, and gives him a run, and that's um, Blake Mozer. And I think he's the guy that there will be a time where he will get 60 minutes, probably at the end of the season when they just miss out on the eight. He might get some minutes, but until then, Billy Walters and Pates are just going to uh, give terrible service uh, to just slow down those forwards. But, um, yeah, I don't see him as an option at all. Last year he came into the competition as a real low option and a few people got on him and were disappointed. So imagine if you spent uh, the extra money this year, you'd even be more disappointed. Yeah, no, you make a great point there. And Blake Moser, again, interesting candidate for maybe later in the season, as we know from NRL Physio's great analysis, shoulder reconstruction in the off-season. He's probably going to get eased in through the Q Cup and then into the Broncos team later. So, yeah, probably not one for your teams there. And Billy Walters, maybe some dual position in your draft if you're playing like a 20-team deep league. But even then, I'd probably still leave him the RFA. Now, we'll keep the snake format going here at Jay Warrior. We're going to move into the mid-rangers. I'm going to start with the player I'm very interested to hear about, Wade Egan. He's 1.66% ownership, 582k, break-even of 40, and has a first buy in round 12. Now, is this going to be the season where he finally stays fit and gets 80 minutes most weeks? Uh, he actually did that in 2021, where he played uh, 11 games at, uh, with 70 minutes or more and averaged 57.3. So he has done it before, and can he do it again, I guess, is the great question. So last year in the same, if you hit the same stats, he only averaged 41.4, which is above, it still means you're getting value if you were to do that. I think this year you're going to find a little upsurge from the Warriors with having more home games, uh, genuine home games. And also the fact that the pack, if healthy, looks a lot stronger this year. So I can see an upsurge for Egan and uh, I'd like to project him a little bit higher. And I know uh, Shooter's a big fan, and he'll be wanting me to talk him up big time just to make sure I cement him in Shooter's team at least, um, because at 1.66 owners, uh, they're just Shooter and uh, the Shooterites, as they're known as. Yep, all his uh, little, uh, what do you call them, sniper teams where you try and win the best the best team score. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably 1.66 is, is most of those sides. That's, that's a lot of email addresses. And, Interesting point there that you make about those home games. I love the fact that this year, correct me if I'm wrong, the NRL gave the Magic Round Warriors, they gave them a home game for Magic Round, which I just thought was a very bizarre decision to do considering everything the Warriors have done for the comp. I'll get off my hobby horse because we've got another interesting mid-ranger to talk about here, Kyle, in Jacob Little. 0.34% ownership, 571k, break-even of 39. Of course, has a buy first in round one. What do we need to see from him from round two for him to potentially be worth picking up in the coming rounds? 
Yeah, I just think uh, for Jacob Little, he's, he's quite an interesting one, as you said, uh, Jace. There's not many people really talking about him, probably because of that buy in round one and people can kind of go other other, other places than, than spending 571k. I mean, I'm not going to be spending 571k off the bat for him. But I think what we need to look at is just what sort of minutes uh, he's going to get there. Um, I just, for me, I just don't think Moses Mbai offers anything at half, uh, slagging in at hooker there. Um, uh, with Jacob Little, he averages 49 points in 66 minutes um, over his career. I think he sort of plays around that 60 minutes where he averages 46.2. He's currently priced at 39, so there actually is some value there uh, if he can average around about that 46 points in the 60 minutes. So he does represent some value. He, he's, he's a fairly good defensive hooker. Um, He's got about a 90% a tackle efficiency rate, so he's only averages around about the two and a half to three missed tackles a game. Um, I'll just go back to Moses Mbai. In 2022, he started only five games of 22 at hooker uh, and came off the interchange for six others. Um, those games, he averaged around about the 30 minutes. So I think that might drop away a little bit this year. I just see, see hook fading Mbai a little bit because they've actually got a, a better hooker there this year and not a... Um, an older head like McCulloch who's gone. I think Little was fairly similar, but he has a bit of a better running game than McCulloch. He's a he's a similar um, style player in, in the fact that he tackles everything and, as I said before, doesn't miss a lot. Um, and then when you look back to uh, Little, he, he played 55 minutes in the, in the charity shield. And as I said, when he plays 55 minutes, he averages around about the 44 points. So he does um, represent a little bit of value. Um so, yeah, the 51 points in the Charity Shield. And that was a nice spread of, of base stats um, and, a, and a sprinkle of some nice attacking stats, including a try. Um, and as I referred to before, um, a solid defender in the middle has a missed tackle rate of around about three and the tackle efficiency is around about 90%. So I think he's someone you just have to keep a little eye on. He could be a little sneaky, sneaky for later on. Um, give him three dates and just keep an eye on him and watch his minutes. Yeah, that's a good shout. And I guess another thing we need to keep in mind as well is we know last year, Brandon Smith went down in round one. If he's got to buy in round four, those two players are similar price. So he might be someone that we can sort of watch. And like you said there, Kyle, very good support runner from the game. I saw, I think maybe one or two instances where he followed the middle forward. who got the offload out to, out to him. He was able to make some cheap meters. So yep. one to watch in... 2023. Now, a player that is actually a little bit more high volume uh, in terms of ownership is none other than cardboard shoulders Reed Marnie, 10.28%, 659k price tag, break even of 45. First buy is the major buy round, round 13. Now, Riley, with Marnie, will he get the 80? And even if he doesn't, will he have more control on this team than he did pairing up with uh, Brown and Moses at Para? I think he's definitely going to have more control, Robbo, but the issue is with Marnie, how, how the dog's going to click. We saw him on the weekend. Their attack was quite stagnant to start with, and I suppose the HIA, HIA of kick-out didn't help. So I think it's going to potentially take him the first month to two months of footy to warm into it. The other issue is New Brown lurking on the bench as well. What sort of role is he going to play? That's unknown at this stage. He did... um play sort of a ball-playing lock, 13 there for uh, 10 or 15 minutes on the weekend before he did spell Marnie in the last 15 at hooker. So I think he's definitely going to take some time off cardboard shoulders. It's just the amount of time it's going to. The other concerning thing which did, I suppose, hurt coaches last year was his missed tackle count. I started the season with to him and rage traded him um, a few rounds in. So I can't start with him 
this year yet. I want to see a few things in his games first. I think you need to at least three date him and I suppose see what his output's going to be like this year and how that dog's attack gels. Yeah, no, you summed it up perfectly there. I think it's just a wait and see. And with the fact that they missed that first major buy round, it's not like you're absolutely dying to get him in. Uh, you want to see a good sample size of those minutes and his interaction with the uh, the halves and the rest of the spine there. So we'll keep it with you, Riley, maintaining this snake format. So full disclosure for the Cashies guys, we'll only be looking at two plays, and they're from both from the Panthers. We're starting with Mitch Kenny with you here, Riles. 10.21% ownership, 426k price tag, break even at 29 First buy round in round three. Now, for me, is it the question I've got for you is it's simple as just tracking him over the first two rounds, seeing what his role in minutes looks like, and then maybe having a look at jumping on round four or five? That buy is perfect, I think, Robbo, because the issue with Kenny is if the Panthers decide to carry utility on the bench, as based off the sample that we've got, he needs to play close to 80 minutes to have 10 points of value. Uh, for that reason, you've got to if they do opt to carry that bench utility, you've got to track him and I suppose see the sharing of minutes that potentially him and Sonny Luke at 14 are going to have. In a 28-game sample at Hooker, though, Kenny averages 41.5 fantasy points in 68 minutes. He did play 80 minutes on 15 occasions, though, so he does have that size motor. 38 net tackles and 29 run metres are made up of this sample in base with only three try assists and three line break assists recorded across the 29 games. So he's clearly reliant on those base stats, particularly through tackles. Cleary's the dominant half and kicker. So there's potentially no need for Kenny to pick up points through general play kicking either. So I think he's definitely one to track in the first couple of rounds and I suppose see what role he's got in 2023. Yeah, absolutely. Now, particularly at that price tag as well, he's very awkward. It's not a player that you'd really want to be trading out. He's sort of a player that if you had a bit of cap free up and he's looking all right, you'd be happy to take, particularly after he gets a buy out of the way. Now, both Kyle and Jay Warrior want to talk about Sonny Luke. He's owned by 12.98% of coaches, price at 250k, so what we call base price, break even of 17. And of course, because he's with the Panthers, first buy in round three. Now, Kyle, again, what's your prognosis? Is it simple as just waiting two rounds and then seeing what he looks like after that? Yeah, definitely, uh, Robbo. Um, yeah, purely assumption for Sonny Luke because we really haven't seen him uh, in the NRL. Um, he is it's only a four-game sample size there, so really nothing to go off, which is an average of twelve point five and twenty-six minutes. Um, I've got it. I've got a few um, exa- examples. I've got four points here, and one of them is he needs the start. If he doesn't get the start, he needs decent minutes off the bench, so thirty-five to forty. And as I said, that four-game sample size in twenty twenty-two, they were all from the interchanger, an average of twelve point five and twenty-six minutes, which probably doesn't really do him much justice. Um, so on that, his PPM definitely going to have to improve. But one thing for Sonny Luke is that he's had a, he's had a, a full off-season with the Panthers, but there's another barrier there where they probably didn't get all their stars back until very, very late in the piece. So he probably hasn't had a real a real chance to gel with with the likes of Cleary and Luai um, and, and his middle middles and all that sort of stuff. So I still don't, I think, still think he's going to come into the season underdone. I still think he'll be learning. Obviously he's still behind Kenny and I don't know if he'll get a start at all this year and he'll just be uh, uh, Mitch Kenny's backup. Okay. Thanks. Negative Nelly. Come on, Sonny Luke. Did you not watch the uh, club challenge the other day? You had old uh, Mitch Kenny. Look like a robot out there. You know, who <laughs> in the team? You know, we look at uh, 
we look at what they've had. They had Api Kurosawa, front foot ball, could read when he needed to run, got the ball out quick. Hello, did you watch the World Cup? Sonny mm. Luke is the Api Kurosawa replacement. So uh, the rugby league guru on his podcast, he's pretty confident that Mitch Kenny's going to go out there, do all the hard tackling early doors, and then they're going to bring on Sonny Luke, and Sonny Luke's going to control the game, get that ruck speed going, get the ball out, and then look for those sniping runs a la Api Kurosawa. So he's pretty confident that Kenny might do 30 minutes up front, and then Sonny Luke will do the back end 50 minutes. And if that's the case, and then over time you'll see Sonny Luke dominate, and he'll be their long-term solution. So that's why I've put him in my team at 50 minutes. Uh, and naturally at the start of the season... They're going to target the young fella. So the young fella be better not miss any tackles. And I did notice in one of those games he can miss a tackle, but uh, I'm prepared to take the punt. Yeah, no, I like that. And I also love the fact that you refer to being 26 as young, so there's still hope for me yet. But, uh, yep, I don't mind either strategy with Luke. I think if you take the gamble on him and it doesn't work, hey, you get to round three, reassess, maybe trade to another cashy, and likewise waiting as well. Um, there's no wrong way to sit there, although I've probably got some splinters in my backside from sitting on the fence on that player. But that wraps up the hookers uh, for this positional preview. We're going to roll into the halves, which is another very, very interesting position, and not just because us four are covering it. I think the thing that we have there with the halves is there's lots of really good options and lots of different ways to attack it with strategy in terms of who you go as potentially a captain, or if you don't go as a captain, <clears throat> me, uh, and as well how your players uh, hit their first buys and how that all interacts. Now, with the uh, halves, we're going to go through a couple of uh, little discussion topics here before we go into our studs, duds, mid-rangers, and cashies, starting with a power ranking. So I've picked 10 players here, and I haven't left Adam Reynolds out because he's a former South Sydney player and he's dogged us <laughs> and gone to the Broncos. It was that he had the 11th best average. So we're looking at Hines, Cleary, Munster, DCE, Dewey, Brown, Moses, Fogarty, O'Sullivan, and Burton. In terms of who's going to average the best... From 1 to 10, what do you got, Kyle? Uh, I, I'm definitely putting Hines at the top. I think he's going to knock Cleary over for the top dog again this year. Obviously, Cleary's the clear-cut second. Now, this is where it gets difficult from three onwards because you've got about you know four, maybe five guys that are very, very similar in, in, uh, in stature. So I'm going go, to go three, and I'm going to go Adam Dewey. Uh, I think for me, four, probably Cameron Munster. Five, Cherry Evans. Six, Burton. Um, then close behind Burton, I think, based on his performance the other night and a team that is in a little bit of trouble injury-wise with Mitchell Moses, followed closely by his partner, Dylan Brown. So I'll just go the top eight there. Um, and that's my, my top eight for, for that power ranking, Robbo. Very nice. Now, Riley, would you differ from any of those eight players, particularly sort of, you know, between Hines and Cleary? Like, who would you have one and two and then cascade down to eight? I've definitely got Hines as number one, Robbo, starting with him as captain. I would put Dewey at three and then Munster four. I am going to put Burton up to five. I just think the come end of the season, dogs are going to be a better side than what the Eagles are going to be, register more attacking stats. DC at six. I'm going to put Brown at seven just because he's of his base stats and the security. Moses, eight. Fogarty, nine. It's probably a little bit rough, but it's just because there's so much depth in that position. And I think um, O'Sullivan at 10, the Dolphins going to be in a lot of trouble this year from what we saw on the weekend. So I think he is really going to struggle with attacking stats. 
Yeah, that's a pretty fair summation there. Like you said, I think O'Sullivan's going to be pushing the proverbial uphill and he won't goal kick once Osako's in the team either. Now, Rich, in terms of that top 10, uh, do you vary too much from what Kyle and Rolly have said there? I think the only one that I think I might throw up a little bit higher is DCE, and that's based off the trials. That Ford pack looks mint. You know, when you look at those two edges where DC is going to have a field day deciding do I go Tuolagi or Olakuatu, then he's got some good options to help with line busts and line bus, uh, sorry, line bus assists and try assists there. And with no turbo in that team as well at that stage, I've actually think I've underrated Manly this year. And I think that DC will be the, the big benefactor there. But other than that, he's the only one that I'd probably put higher in my power rankings. Yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. I mean, it's probably going to be a topic we'll talk about in a second. I pretty much agree with you guys. I would have Jamal Fogarty slightly above Brown and Moses. I would have him sixth. I just think he's going to have a little bit more upside, but again, probably not too much there. I think that top five that we discussed, they've obviously got the top two and then the three that sit underneath. They're pretty much going to be in any order there. So, Riley, good to see you back on the stream there, mate. Um, I was obviously talking about your fellow Queenslander, Jamal Fogarty, and you decided to pop off for 30 seconds, but that's all good. Good to have you back. Now, disclosure time, boys. Who have you got in your halves? Uh, so my team is going out on the socials tomorrow in that, in terms of the halves, I have got... I don't have Heinz or Cleary because I'm going Murray Captain. I've got uh, Dewey, Fogarty. I've got Tamari Martin uh, in my starter winger fullbacks. And, of course, I've got Tanner Boyd as my dual position on the bench. Who you got, Kyle? Uh, i got Heinz, obviously. He was first pick and captain. i got Adam Dewey, and I have uh, Tanner Boyd. Now, it's a funny one because I, I'll be talking about my stud who I did have. Uh, in, in Matt Burden. I've gone to Dewey, and then I also like Sam Walker, so that also intertwines that if I drop down from Dewey to someone like a Burton or a, or a, uh, a Sam Walker, I can then bring in uh, uh, Harry Grant instead of Reese Robson. So it all intertwines, those two positions, they intertwine, and I can help me to decide where do I want to put the money? Do I put it in Sam Walker and Harry Grant, or I go Dwayne, uh, Dewey, and uh, or Robson? So it's a very funny little uh, story for me at the moment with those two positions. Yeah, it is. It's going to change a lot, and I guess that's another thing for the listeners to keep in mind as well. If you see these projected teams coming out from us over the coming days, is that is a snapshot in time. A lot of what will change will be the fact that we want a particular player. We'll need to free up cap room from somewhere. And often the halves, there's probably at four or five options that have probably got all got upside, and there's an ability to slide up and down depending on what availability you've got there. Now, Rich, what's your halves looking like at the moment? Yeah, Nico Hines, captain. Sam Walker at the stage, but he is very uh, flexy. And Tanner Boyd, obviously, the cover in there. Um, yeah, we'll talk about a couple of the ones that I uh, have been sniffing around in particular. SJ... And uh, I've played with Burton, uh, had Hastings pre uh, the trial last week. So, yeah, there's a few options going around. Yeah, there's certainly plenty floating around. And, Riley, what's your half situation sitting out at the moment? I think he's going to take Chad Chad Townsend and... um, yeah, yeah. I think not, we might have him. Man, we might we might have him back. His screen's frozen, so unfortunately, Ice Papsicles isn't available in the house. So we'll get Riley's picks a little bit later. We'll roll into the studs in the meantime, and what we'll do 
is we will start with... I was going to start with Riley, but that's all right. We're going to start with you, Rich. Uh, we've got a stud for you in Nathan Cleary, 36.84% ownership, 957k, break-even at 66, first buy in round three. Can we buy into this Daily M narrative? He's never won it before, or is that loss of Appy and kick-out too much to sort of view you across the hinds? Yeah, I'm not buying the narrative, that's for sure. But uh, the fact that there's no appy and kick out could almost be, hey, boys, I'll step up. This is on me. You know, he might want to have that I'll do more mentality. But um, the only reason I'm leaning towards Hines over Cleary is just for that buy a week later. You know, it's really, yeah, I can't split them. And so I'm never going to say take one over the other. I've just landed on uh, Hines at this stage. Yeah, no, that's that's a, a really good point there. And uh, a lot of people have made that uh, summary in terms of why they take Hines over clear. Just that later buy, as I wrote in an article recently, you have more team value when Hines is on his buy, so you're going to have more money in your squad to cover that absence. You know, he's four weeks later, so yeah, plus he's probably not going to play Origin as well. We'll get to Heinz in a second with Riley, but now that you're back, do you just want to run us quickly through your halves combination at the moment? So at the moment, Robbo, I've got Dwayhe and Heinz in there. I've gone with Dwayhe just because I believe come season's, season's end, he's going to be a top three half who I can carry on my bench. And then I've got Boyder's DPP cover at the moment too. Yep. Very sound. Again, probably a very popular option there in terms of going mm. with, obviously, one of the best plays in the game. A very promising upside half there in Dewey. And then, of course, you have Tanner Boyd on the bench, whereas he should be in most teams, really. You want him sitting there with that coverage. Now, in terms of Hines, he's your player for the how good is this bloke section. Now, 29.02% ownership, 984k, break-even 68, first buy round in round six. Is it just that later buy and the fact he's not a guarantee for Ojan that makes him better than Cleary? I think so, Robbo. He's an absolute gun. Average 69.1 points per game last year, and he scores across the stats board. You have documented it very well that you're going to go Murray as your captain this season to start with. But tonight, I want to go into bat for Hines. Just on the fact that Cleary's got a lock on the number seven New South Wales jersey, Whiten's proven his versatility at 14, playing in the backs and forwards. Burton also started at centre last year and starred, plus he adds a point of difference through his kicking game as well. But if fit, Latrell and Turbo are going to battle for starting spots this year in the centres and on the wings. So Freddie has shown in previous years he's going to carry an extended squad based on what teams have the buy. So examples last year included Daniel Saifidi and Tyson Frizzell in round 13. Prior to game one, they were included in the squad when they had the buy. And also Reese Robson in round 17 prior to game three. So I don't, at the moment, I don't see room for Hines in New South Wales' best 17, but I do believe he will be around the squad. I just don't see Freddie taking him out of a Sharky's game unless he's going to be needed to play number seven for New South Wales. Yeah, which, you know, assuming Cleary stays fit, which would then have impacts on NRL Fantasy. I think, yeah, you've summed it up quite well there. Pretty much insured there with Hines, uh, basically not playing Origin. And if he does, well, Cleary's going to be irrelevant because he'll be unavailable. So it's a discussion we'll have later on if we have some time at the end in relation to Hines and Cleary in your side. But, Kyle, you'll start Matt Burton, 15.98% ownership, 718k, break-even of 50, first buy in round 13. So, again, with that Origin little... 
aspect there, not too much to worry about. My question to you with Burton is, he looked underdone in that trial, and I know they were playing a premiership favourite in the Sharks, but he had a kangaroos tour, he had post-season surgery. Should we be concerned about a slow start? Uh, look, Robert, I don't think you need to look too much into that. You know, they uh, he, he's, he's a young fella, he's a fit fella, um, and I think the dogs are really going to rely on him um, this year. Um, you know, he averaged 50.3 points last year. Um, and even when he was back in those few games that he played uh, back into 2021 uh, at the halves, uh, at the Panthers, he still averaged um, low 50. So I think he can still maintain that 50-odd average. Um, the 0.3 tries, two goals, which I think those two goal average will increase this season. I think the Dogs um, are potentially going to score more points than they have in previous seasons, just with that that new team that they have. Um this point point six triceps, which again I think is probably going to increase slightly with that um, raging bull and Viliami Kikau next to him, who we know can run the lines. He can he can run the good decoys, and I also think that it's going to take a lot of heat off Matt Burton um, with Kikau running next to him. So I think Matt Burton might actually find a few more meat buys, um, a few more line breaks and tackle busts, just with the amount of uh, defenders that Viliami Kikau attracts. Now, um, along with his base stats, I think he's going to, as I said, he's going to gain more attacking stats having uh, uh, Viliami Kikau next to him. Um, with regard to his halves partners, I don't think any of the halves partners that he gets paired with are really going to impact him in regard to the kick meters. So I feel that um, those kick meters will remain the same, therefore keeping that average up around uh, 50 to 53. Yeah, no, nice nice analysis there. You took and back you mentioned- yeah, he has. Yeah, we'll see yeah. that. We'll see that change in the next hour or so. Now, <laughs> you, you mentioned there an uplifting goals, but I don't know if you saw his first goal attempt on the weekend. It looked like yeah. my golf swing it was absolutely <laughs> atrocious, and Belmore Oval actually looked in pretty good nick as well. So hopefully he sharpens up before round one. Otherwise, Kyle Flanagan might take that off him. Now, we'll keep <laughs> with you, Kyle, into our doubts. Kieran Foran, two point two percent ownership, four hundred thirty one k break even of thirty and first buy round in round five. My question for you, Kyle, is. Will he stay fit long enough to make sure that Tanner Boyd dominates the kick meters and Toby Sexton doesn't come into the team? Yeah, look, I feel that um, Kieran Foran, he had a very good season at Manly last year. Look, you know, um, you can't you can't lie about that. I thought he played very well in Manly, although they did have a pretty poor year. I actually thought that was one of better, Kieran Foran's better years um, just because he could stay injury-free. So I actually think he's going to carry that on into the Titans. And I think that... Uh, he's going to be a really good partner for not only uh, Tanner Boyd, but the whole of the Titans side with his experience. You know, he can just settle everyone down. He calls the shots. He's a very level-headed sort of guy. Um, But I just think that his style just does not suit NRL fantasy, unfortunately. He's never really been relevant, and I can't see there any reason for that to be um, uh, relevant this year either. Yeah, no, summed it up perfectly there. Again, that 2% ownership, it's either hopefully either autofills or people that are just members of the Gold Coast Legion uh, banging their drums going, we'll take all Titans players. Now, rolling into the next stud, he was in the news last week, uh, last week, yesterday, Riley, with the fact that he will be missing round one with a calf injury. It's Joshy Schuster, 19.18% ownership, 479k, break even of 33, first buy in round two. Even before the calf injury, was he a go? No, Robbo, but those two factors you've just mentioned now, unavailable for round one and a buy in round two. For me, he's a strong avoid to start the season. In addition to partnering a dominant half in DCE, Schuster may struggle to register consistent attacking stats and kick metres. In a two-game sample, though, where we've got Schuster at 5'8", with DCE at halfback, 
He scored 50 fantasy points in round 11 of 2021 and 28 points in round 17 of 2020. So very small sample and very long sample there. In addition to having not played with DC since returning to halves, there's too much uncertainty around his output and value. Last year, for an average 33 points, and in 2020, in 2021, and then... In 2022, he averaged 30 fantasy points when starting at halfback with DCE. So just in a 12-month period there, we've seen a regression of three points from Kieran Foran playing alongside DCE. So potentially even more regression this year in Schuster's game, partnering DCE in the halves. Yeah, now it's a good shout. And even if he gets a good combo going with Kelma to Alungi again, just that the fact that they corrected his price above uh, 270, which is probably what it would have been at, yeah, it basically saps the value out of him, unfortunately. Now, mm. player who probably doesn't have too much value, and that's probably because they play for your team, Riley, in the Cowboys, but Jay Warrior has plucked out a former Warriors player in Chad Townsend as a dud. 2.33% ownership, 550k price tag, break-even of 38, and first buy in round 15. Now, Jay Warrior, my question to you, should we make Andy pick him up in our draft to replace his injured plays? Because as we know, he talked over Jay Warrior, oh, sorry, not over Jay Warrior, over Jake uh, in the draft. Yeah, he might be the only one that would pick him up that's actually played fantasy for more than one year. I feel like <laughs> the only person that's picking up Chad Townsend is someone that lives uh, in North Queensland and is playing their first year of fantasy and doesn't realise that missed tackles count for minus two and that kick meters only count for every 30 metres kicked. But if they ever change those two statistics, he may become relevant. But until then, avoid. Yep. And if they actually count a kick meters when he kicks it out on the full, which he tended to do quite a fair bit. I owned him in 2021. I think a lot of coaches did because at the Sharks, he was dominating the kick meters alongside Matt Moore and kicking goals. And he actually drilled some great shots uh, in the Sharks side. But obviously, Val Holmes is a sharp shooter, so he'll never get anywhere near that. So stay away from Chad Townsend, folks. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to roll into our mid-rangers. We're going to start with Riley on this one. Jackson Hastings, he's moved up to the Hunter. He's priced at 645k, 5.42% ownership, break-even of 45, first buy in round 10. Now, saw in that trial, pretty disjointed from the Knights. Is that poor structure and involvement from Hastings basically pushing him out of your team for round one? At this stage, Robbo, yes, it is a, it is a concern his output and performance on the weekend. Just with that style of play, um, he's digging very deep into the line and I suppose playing out the back. So assuming that's where Ponga and Miller are going to sit, potentially they're going to score the points for the try assist and line break assist. It'd be great if he got points for delivering that second last pass. But I suppose the hype around Hastings' relevance stems, stems from last season when he switched to halfback prior to having injury issues in a five-game five sample where he was goal-kicking and averaged 59 points per game. He averaged 141 run metres, 17 tackles, and 347 kick metres, giving him a base of 42 points per game. So that is huge if he can have a similar game, play, game style of play to last year. But based on what we've seen so far from him and the Knights, that may not be the case. So on the weekend, I actually I started with Hastings. I went up to Burton, then after Sunday, I've gone from Burton to Dewey now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's the impact of trials. And like you said, with that price tag, he's not going to get out of reach very quickly if he does look promising. Like if he puts a couple of 50s on the board, a beat they've probably not got the strongest teams in the first sort of four or five rounds. But 
Yeah, he's probably one you can afford to wait and see on because, as we know, Riley, we're going to make some mistakes with our first picks in round one and potentially Hastings might be a correction that we can bring in. Now, a player that I think a lot of people are probably looking forward to taking in because our head honcho TK has talked him up so much. Now, Kyle, Sam Walker, 3.5% ownership, 638k, break-even of 44, first buy in round four. For Sam Walker this year, are we expecting some natural progression to help him get up to a 50-plus average in 2023? Yeah, I definitely think we are, Robbo. Um, with his move last year, or the back end of last year, where he, he, he went from averaging uh, 37.6 to 49.8, and with him uh, starting there again this season, having a decent pre-season with the Roosters, I feel he's going to crack that 50 average this year. And, and if he does crack that at 50, he is definitely going to uh, have plenty of value. Um I feel you can start with him in 2023 as an alternative to Jackson Hastings. I think he's in a better side, um, and I feel that the Knights are really going to struggle. Um, uh, and I feel that with Walker being in a side like the Roosters, are definitely going to be pushing and in contention for, uh, as I've said all season, the double-double and the minor premiership and the premiership. So I think uh, Sam Walker's really going to shine in that, that Roosters side this year. Um and with that being said, I think, again, the Roosters are going to score plenty of points. So, again, the good good upside there for Sam Walker and his goal kicking. As I said, he comes in priced in 2023 at 44 points. And, and as I alluded to before, he, he averaged 49.8 at the end of the season. So there's six points of value, but I think he's going to average up around 52, 51, 52 this year. So there's around about eight points of value. Um, funny thing with the, with the Roosters, we all know they start very slow, but I think... With them having the Dolphins and the Warriors in round two, I actually think that's going to be the total opposite this year, and that's really going to kickstart them uh, uh, for their year. And I think that the main one of the main beneficiaries of that um, behind uh, Joey Manu, if he does start, is Sam Walker. And I think that he's just really matured. It sounds like he's put on a little bit of weight as well, so he, he might help him to uh, help. Uh, not miss uh, those those tackles that he has. I think around um, three missed tackles. So I think that that will reduce, and I think that we'll see Sammy Walker have a pretty big year in 2023. It's a fair wrap for Sam Walker, and yeah, look, I think there's every potentially goes 50 plus average. We'll just have to wait and see. Um, yeah, we did rely on some goal kicks to get to a 50 average at halfback last year, but see how you go again. Like you said at the start of the episode, Colt, it's going to be very tricky if you've got multiple Roosters players massaging that with your yeah. with your uh, Tanner Boyd, uh, Brandon Smith, Hooker situation. So, interesting to see how high he gets up in the ownership. Now, to you, Rich, with uh, Sean Johnson, one point five six percent ownership, five hundred sixty two k break even of thirty nine. First buy in round twelve. I guess the question we've got here is: Is he going to stay fit? Because it looks like he'll kick enough goals and enough in play to actually have a bit of value this year. Come on, that is the greatest fake news I've ever heard. If you look at how many games, <laughs> everyone ever talks about Sean Johnson, he's always injured. He played more games last year than Nathan Cleary. And over his uh, career, he's played more 20-plus seasons than less and by quite a, a margin. So, no, he'll stay fit enough. Um, will he run the ball enough? I must admit he was... In my team before the trial on Sunday, and I was at the game, and just didn't look good. Um, and he played his way out of the team, in my team anyway. But I just do see him having a lot more upside this year. I think the fact, if he wants to play on, he better go well this year. It's his last season, otherwise. Mm. So it's a contract year. It's 
Um, a lot of players are like, liking to play a little bit later in life because they know once you're retired, you're a long time retired. So I think he'd like to go around again. So I think he's going to go big to prove that. He's also a vice captain in the team, I believe. So that extra responsibility, uh, the players in the team have come out and said it's the best I've ever seen him uh, play. He doesn't take the easy options at training. He, he's done the hard yards. So he set himself up to put in the best performance he can this year. Um, and, yeah, I think most true Warriors fans would love to see Sean Johnson average 55-plus this year win the Daily M. I think just NRL fans, Rich, would like to see that. Like, you know, I mean, I've got a soft spot from the Warriors from 2020 because I was living on the Central Coast at the time and they were the, the home side and they won plenty of games there. But I think everyone loves seeing Sean Johnson, uh, you know, turn the magic on and, like you said there, look, he's you know priced at 39. There's definitely scope that if he's you know kicking six goals a game in the first couple of games when they dust up the Knights and the Roosters, that he starts well. And you know, like you said, he's got the uh, Adam Reynolds curse where everyone goes, oh, Adam Reynolds misses all these games. But yeah, he has these knocks in that, but he still actually turns up and plays. So he'll be uh, interesting to watch. Again, nowhere near my team, but one I'm keeping a keen eye on uh, throughout the season. We'll keep the uh, snake format that we've used thus far, and we'll look at his halves partner for our first cashy here, Richie Into, Marty Martin, 20.89% ownership, uh, 313k, which would give him a break-even of about 21. First buy round, also round 12, you know, being a warrior. Now, with that high ownership and relatively good job security, is he worth just going with the pack and keeping in your winger fullback rotation somewhere? Oh... Yeah, I haven't got him in my team at this stage. He's been in a couple of times. He's been out a couple of times. Um, when I had Sean Johnson, I didn't want to have both halves in, in my team. That's hurry curry. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so for that reason, he sort of fell out and just hasn't made his way back in. I don't see him having the attacking upside uh, that he needs. He's really – some of his best attributes aren't fantasy relevant. So his communication, the way he defends in lines, the way he organises players, you don't get points for that sort of stuff. But as a football player, it's great to see him back. You know, he had that brain bleed and he might have thought it was over. So to get to come home, play at your home team, um, I just hope he has a good season. And even though I don't have him on my team at this stage, he could sneak in yet. Yeah, and if he did, do you think think you could rely maybe on low mid-30s from him? I wouldn't hold my breath. No, he, he's just always got too many negatives in his game. So missed tackles, you know, when he played for the Broncos last year, he had games where he's missing five missed tackles. Um, so, you know, in an era, he had one game where he had four errors. So it's... Different games, but yeah, and just not enough upside to counter those negatives. So for me, I don't think he can get to mid-30s. I think that's being extremely optimistic. Last year he had um, three games over 30, so that's not great out of about oh, maybe 12 games. So that's not a great um, record. No, it's it's not. I mean, there's a positional change this year, but like you said, he's never been a prolific fantasy scorer. So, yep, I think he'll slide in and out of a lot of teams. Now, sticking on the Warriors train that we've got going here, with 
Our cashy for you, Kyle. Luke Metcalf, the Coffs Coast product, 1.89% ownership, 319k, break even at 22. Of course, first buy round is 22. We know he's got the hamstrings, so probably the first five, six rounds we won't see him. But is he someone that we could maybe look at uh, if he you know, comes back and fit and there's a vacancy either at fullback or in the halves? Yeah, definitely, Robbo. I definitely think he's someone you have to really consider if he does gain a spot. Now, I just listened to an interview with him yesterday at the Warriors launch in Auckland on SENZ, and he believes it's going to be rounds 8 to 10 that he will be returning, and that's if he's feeling good. So I wouldn't hold my breath before the bye round, but I feel just from what he showed us in that trial uh, where he scored 62 points, um, he showcased all the attributes to be a fantasy gun, I think. And I think that if Sean Johnson or Temaire Martin get injured, I think that he is going to slot in there if he's fit. And I think he's going to make a real difference to that side. And I think that he is above Ronald Volkman in the picking order for for the half uh, for the for the halfback spot. And I wouldn't. Uh, be too unhappy if he got a fullback spot if there was an injury there to, to chance. So I really think that he could be a next, the next fantasy gun if he gets a decent opportunity. Um, priced at 22, he'd only need to average 30 plus um, to become a nice cow for your team. So I think that that is really achievable. And as I said, if he gets a start, give him a few dates, see how he goes. And if he's looking good, pick him up because I think he's going to reward you. Yeah, no, you make a, some fantastic points there. And like we've said before, you can't coach speed. And that's something Metcalf has in spades. Now, our last cashy, he's pretty much an auto-pick Riley in Tanner Boyd. 18.25% ownership at this stage. Let's hope that gets up to 30.35 by the time we get to the first kickoff. 479k, break-even of 33. First Baron in round five. My only question to you with Tanner Boyd is, he's such an auto-pick that you would take him even if the Titans had a round one buy, right? I think so, Robbo. Looking at the sample we've got from last season, he played six games and he averaged 47 points a game. But this output, I suppose we can probably say it was slightly inflated due to end-of-season junk games, as we have called them. In this sample, though, he had a base of 35 points through net tackles, run metres, kick metres and goal kicking. Boyd also recorded at least two tries, try assists, line breaks or line break assists in three out of these six appearances. So that shows that there's definitely attacking upside there. Against the weekend, uh, on the weekend against the Dolphins, sorry, he definitely passed the eye test. He was keen to run the footy, and he's defensively strong. Plus, he's starting to develop a nice combination with schoolboy teammate David Fafita. So, even though he only scored thirty-five points, that wasn't in a full eighty-minute eighty-minute performance. He's won that battle for the Titans' number seven jersey, and with that dual position half hooker tag, as you touched on, he's someone I'm locking into my team for round one. Yeah, no, you've nailed it there perfectly. He's that perfect number 14 or metaphorical 14 in our fantasy sides. And, yeah, look, I think you'd have to find some incredibly good reasons uh, to, to not take him in round one because he'll be that highly owned by the active fantasy coaches. Now, that wraps us up for the hooker and halves position, boys. You've absolutely fired on all cylinders tonight. And a big thank you to the live listeners as well. I think I saw it got as high as 90, which, um, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of people to listen to me talk for way too long. Now, course coming up. Centre winger fullback tomorrow, starting at 9.30 New Zealand Dart Savings time. New South Wales time, that'll be 7.30, of course, in Queensland, that'll be 6.30. It'll be TK, who will be joined by Andy, Corby and Pat to go over the outside back. So be sure to tune in for that. And, of course, this podcast will go out uh, tomorrow morning uh, for those who haven't caught all of it live. And, of course, the mid and edge from Tuesday is also available there as well. So 
like I said, that's a fantastic effort, uh, Jay Warrior. Again, solid shift, lots of Kiwi players spoken about, which is good to see. Yeah, no ways popular in fantasy, just without having origin and uh, the fact that uh, it's nice to have a little bias in there. It's always good. So, no, can't wait for the season. We're less than a week to start. Yes, we're getting very close. And, Riley, very good, mate. You spoke some positive words about some New South Wales players. I'm really proud of you. Thanks, Robbo. I tell you what, I'm excited for footy now. Eight days until we kick off next Thursday, so it should be good. Yeah, no, it's going to be very good. And congratulations, Carl. You're the MVP of the stream because your internet didn't stuff up at all, so credit to you. Awesome. I'm quite surprised up here in Northland. It's not always that good, but tonight it smoked both of uh, Jay Warrior and Riley's, that's for sure, so I'll take it. Yes, no, take, take the wins where they come, listeners. Thank you very much for joining us on this podcast. We'll join you next episode tomorrow. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next one.